Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode where we are talking about the whole midlife crisis thing and why what you may be experiencing today is not the same as what your mom experienced and why. So to begin, I have to tell you that I really have a problem with the terminology midlife crisis. I have been avoiding it for years. (laughs) To me, I put it in the same kind of category as bucket list. Do you use bucket list? That one drives me crazy too. Both of these concepts conjure up thoughts and visions about running out of time. With a bucket list, you're supposed to think about what you really want to do at the same time as thinking about what you're running out of time to do. And in my mind, just think about what you want to do. (laughs) Why make it so negative? With midlife crisis, The concept is that where you're at now in terms of age and stage, that is your reality, is a crisis. Now that's bad in my books. When I think about crisis, it's like capital C crisis. Really, really bad, super bad. So I thought I would take a look in the dictionary. So I consulted Merriam-Webster and this is how she defines it. The turning point for better or worse. A sudden attack of pain or distress. An emotionally significant event or radical change of status in a person's life. An unstoppable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending, especially one with the distinct possibility of a highly undesirable outcome. Or a situation that has reached a critical phase. So think about it. Scary stuff, right? No wonder it's so common to freak out <laughs> or, or for you to feel off like you're in a midlife funk or worse. So what does midlife crisis mean to you? Do you talk about it that way? Like, where does your mind go when you're experiencing something that's uncomfortable? Does it go to midlife crisis? I go to cartoons. I go to red sports cars, like it's very cliche, red sports cars, Harley Davidson's, 50-something-year-old men with young women. Now, this is from my child's eye. I don't really have any common references to go to when it comes to the idea of a woman going through a midlife crisis this way. It's not the way we've grown up. Like, we didn't really grow up with that concept. It was more about men. Think about it. What does society tell us about a midlife crisis? Well, when it comes to midlife, your age and stage typically are somewhere between 45 and 60. Now, when you look up definitions like I've really been doing to to dial this in, um, you can see all kinds of things from 45 to 55 and even from 35 to 55. So it's not cut and dry, which is why I like to think about it as a combination of age and stage of life being in the middle being in the middle of menopause, empty nest, milestone birthdays, aging parents, growing kids, figuring out adult relationships with your young adult children, all of that kind of stuff, being in the middle. And when you put midlife together with crisis, the way it's typically done in our culture, 
the way we tend to think about it, for a variety of reasons, is bad, really negative. So when you look up the actual definition of the two words put together, midlife and crisis, you find this definition. An emotional crisis of identity and self-confidence that can occur early in mid-age, early in middle age. Okay, now that makes more sense. But that word crisis again, really bad. (laughs) But with this definition, it emphasizes emotional and self-confidence. Now we're getting somewhere. Not so much crisis, but rather an emotional transition of some kind that's related to lack of self-confidence. Now, the other thing I noticed, though, that this sort of thing is often kicked off by something jarring, like empty nest or turning 50 or a divorce or something big going on with friends or uh, an illness or death of a loved one, getting laid off or something like that, even menopause. And then what happens is there's this kind of panicky awareness like, uh, uh oh, I'm on the other side of life. That is the worst side the worst side of life or whatever's worse than the younger side of life. That's where you are now. You were there and now you're not. Now you're here and it's worse. You know what I mean? And then the next thought that usually kicks in is I'm running out of time. So those cartoony ideas that I see in my mind, and I wonder if you do too, they have something to do with staying young, feeling young, or recapturing youth, that kind of thing. But again, not as many references about women. No memories or cartoons, no sitcom references or episodes in in a show that you used to like when you were a kid that pops out or anything like that. A midlife crisis was really thought about as a predominantly man's problem since the term was coined in 1965. Women had to deal with menopause, but men had a midlife crisis. (laughs) So what is a midlife crisis for women? What did we see when we were growing up and what do we experience now that we're in midlife? Did you notice anything about your mom or other women in your life, like aunties or neighbors, anybody else that was in your life, teachers, when they were your age now? Do you ever think about that? Like going through pictures and saying, oh, my mom was how old I am now in that picture. (laughs) So weird. It was probably in the late 70s or 80s or so, depending on how old you are and how old your mother was when she had you. Now, do you remember what your mom's experience of menopause was like when she was going through it? Do you remember that? Did she ever talk about it? Were you aware of it when you were a kid? What about when her parents got sick or died? Did that happen when you were a kid? When you think about it, was your mom about your age now when that was going on? Or what about when you left for college? Do you have memories of that? I have memories of that one. (laughs) I remember my mom drove me to college and it was Westchester State in Pennsylvania and, you know, dropped me off in the dorm. And if you haven't dropped off a kid yet in the dorm, there's an announcement that's made that basically kicks out the parents. So I would imagine something like that happened then and it was time for her to go. And I was all full of... um, I was nervous, but I was so excited to be at university. I was so happy. And my mom started to cry. And I went like when she hugged me and I was like, oh, my God, what is your problem? This is the happiest day of my life. I actually thought that. (laughs) That's horrible. 
And then uh, she told me years later that it was very upsetting and that when she drove home, she actually had to pull off um, to the side of the road and have a bit of a cry. Now, at my age now, I totally get it. But when I was that age, I did not really have an appreciation for it. So what about you? When you went to college, do you have any of those memories about how your mom was reacting to or experiencing the transition? What about when your mom went back to work? Did she go back to work or was she always working? What are your memories then? So actually, work is something I wanted to talk more about. Think about this whole work scene and what it was like for women back then. Women's lib was a big deal. Remember the women's liberation movement? Uh, Equal pay for equal work. The whole Equal Pay Act thing happened in the early 70s. Gloria Steinem was a household name. She was in the news all the time with many people loving or hating her important work for women to have equal legal and social rights. It came up all the time in the news, in magazines, in family conversations. And of course, you remember Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. That's what our moms were living through. Very different times. So with this backdrop of awareness now, it's easy to see how different things are for you now than they were for your mom then. Of course, the more things change, the more things stay the same. There were still aging concerns, makeup special creams and potions to help stay young and you know keep your youth your youthful looking skin um there were all kinds of uh thoughts about changing bodies and menopause and weight gain and and wrinkles all that stuff was still going on but it was probably less likely that your mom was working in a long-term job for 10 or 20 years or more like you might be doing right now and really being conflicted about leaving that job that looks so good on paper, but you feel miserable. It's no longer fulfilling. So things were very different about work life and women back then. Now, there were plenty of women working, but it was a different scene. And of course, access to information about menopause and all of this self-awareness and self-development and pop psychology and all that kind of thing, um, that was newer. Mindfulness work was way less available to the masses. It wasn't the same. There was no internet, lots of Encyclopedia Britannicas, (laughs) and a lot of magazines. I got a lot of information from Seventeen and Glamour. What about you, right? So there was information for sure, but it's a very different environment now, and access to information and self-development is huge. So instead, though, There was an interesting term used for women who couldn't cope with psychological stress, nervous breakdown. Do you remember growing up with that word? That phrase, lots of references to women experiencing that. And, you know, it's not a medical term and neither is having to take a stress leave. Even when I entered the workforce in the late 80s, early 90s, people were talking about stress leave. Depression and anxiety became more understood as the years went by and soon replaced that kind of terminology. But it makes you wonder when you think that, you know, that other phrase that you're very familiar with, you've come a long way, baby. So as you know, I'm not a historian. I'm not an expert in the timeline for these kinds of things. But I do have memories of what it was like to grow up in the 70s and 80s, just like you do. And when you think about what a midlife crisis may have looked like for your mom versus your dad, 
That's another area that's different. The way men and women experienced this midlife crisis, midlife transition, midlife funk back in those days was different. So many different expectations and such a different society and culture. If it's possible, I think it's a great thing to ask your parents about, especially your mom. What does she remember about these transitional times for her? Does she remember what it was like to have a milestone birthday? Was it a bigger deal to turn 40 than 50? What was 50 like? You know, we always say 50 is the new 30. Is that true? What does she think with greater perspective? And what does she remember it being like? Was there a lot of negative stigma? Was it seen as any kind of an opportunity? Did she feel older and wiser or just old? Did she have a hard time when you left for college? Or when there were no more kids left living at home? What did she make all of that mean? Did she struggle with that identity shift? Did she have difficulty aging and noticing how her body was changing? Did she want the next chapter of her life to be substantially different than the last one? Was she looking for more meaning and and purpose in her life? Was she looking for that? Do you remember it ever coming up? And what does she remember about it? And then fast forward to your experience now and call it what you want. Midlife awakening, midlife transition, midlife funk, midlife crisis. We're getting at the same thing. And some of the experience is the same, but it's also quite different for us now than it was then for a variety of reasons, some that we talked about and many more. And that difference impacts our experience of aging for sure. But now let's talk about what a typical midlife crisis is for women. And yes, I'm cringing every single time I say crisis (laughs) because as you know, I don't like it. But because it's used so much and talked about so much, let's just go with it for this episode. So Here's what I think are the top 10 signs that something's up and you're having a midlife crisis. Number one, you've noticed you're not as content as you used to be. That was a big one for me. The idea that I wasn't as content as I had been for years kind of snuck into my awareness quietly and I was slow to catch on. For me, it happened at work. I remember, I actually remember sitting at my desk when I kind of had that realization. It was like everything was going along fine and then it wasn't. (laughs) So it was slow, and it was quiet, like a sneak attack, but eventually it became so obvious I couldn't ignore it any longer. Number two, you're surprised that you're so stuck. In the past, you've always been able to see a plan clearly and execute the plan, but for some weird reason, not so much now. You find yourself saying things like this, I just don't know what I want, or if I only had clarity. You know it's odd, but you actually hear yourself saying it out loud as well as in your head. Number three, you catch yourself thinking a thought about running out of time. Typically, you didn't think this way. It was easier for you to just enjoy yourself and be present. But now there's a backdrop of time pressure and you notice you're feeling a bit panicky about it. Number four, you're frustrated that you don't know what you're passionate about. (laughs) Now, you know so much about yourself, but when you ask yourself what your passions are, you go blank. You're not insightful at all. You want to understand this more because you sense it's important to be more fulfilled, but you're stuck. Number five, you're tired of wasting time living out of alignment with your priorities. This idea is also time-related, but it's a bit different. You actively feel like you're wasting time, and it is so frustrating. 
You don't want to waste time anymore because you don't have a plan, but you believe that you're wasting time. You feel that you're wasting time, and it is constant frustration. Number six, you catch yourself feeling envious of women who've made a significant change and are happy. You notice you're not genuinely happy for others leaving their jobs, becoming an entrepreneur, downsizing, moving to a beautiful part of the country, or even retiring. That's not like you. You used to be genuinely happy for people. It's not like you to feel envious, but you catch yourself asking yourself, well, why can't I do this? Why am I not doing this? What's wrong with me? I want what they have, those sort of things. Number seven, you notice a lot of autopilot thinking and doing in your life. Autopilot thinking and doing. Oh my God, being on autopilot worked great for decades. You made some big decisions when you were in your 20s and then put them into motion. And you didn't have to keep thinking and reassessing and deciding. But now you see that you really should be thinking and reassessing and deciding. You need to be asking more questions because the plan isn't working that well anymore. Number eight, you fantasize about doing more art, writing, or yoga, or all three. (laughs) You can make some substitutions to these ideas, this little list of three, but the women in the middle in my community constantly share with me that they really want to do more of these kinds of things. They dream about them. They express these desires with passion, with longingness. Art, writing, and yoga for the midlife win. Number nine, you know there's more out there for you. You can't deny thinking that there's something else out there for you, that what you're doing isn't fulfilling, and you know that you can live a more meaningful, fulfilling life. Thinking like this has pretty much become painful. And number 10, you don't want to have regrets. You're positive that if you don't make a serious, intentional change, you will have regrets about what you didn't do, didn't say, and didn't try. And you really don't want to live that way, knowing that if you faced your doubts and fears, you would have been happier. You know it's time to regret-proof your life. Well, there you have it, my friend. My sense of what the top 10 signs are that you are having a midlife crisis. Okay, but what I really want to say is that these are the top 10 signs of you being ready for your midlife celebration. You have received your midlife jolt, duly noted, the midlife memo, your wake-up call. And I'd like to add that you've suffered enough. That's what I think. So notice how you feel when you continue to fill your mind with all of these thoughts. You might feel sad or lacking, maybe panicky, regretful hesitant, scared. These feelings, just to name a few, are not fueling the activities that you need to do to take action and move forward. And when you continue the swirl that's going on in your mind, you're actively keeping yourself stuck. I'm giving you a little push over the airwaves or whatever these are in podcast land. (laughs) I know you might be driving. I know you might be walking the dog. Wherever you are, I'm giving you that little push. I'm inviting you to ask yourself more questions, but better questions. Instead of asking yourself, what's wrong with me? Ask yourself, how can I make it more fun to figure this all out? Instead of asking yourself why it's taking you so long to create a plan for your next chapter, practice thinking about the idea that you're learning what you want to do next. 
Now, these are subtle mindset shifts, but they deliver such a big gift in terms of setting the stage for you allowing yourself to be happier. And yeah, I actually said that. Your happiness is your responsibility. Happiness is a feeling and it comes from your thoughts. You can give yourself this gift. This is what I call becoming finally first. This is you doing some serious regret proofing. This, my friend, is self-care at its highest level. You deserve to be happy and you can give yourself this gift. I love this idea and I hope you do too. That's it for today's episode. Okay, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life again. You know it, and so do I. Being the queen of your brain domain, well, it really is the best way to be. (laughs) Check out the show notes with more information and links at susierosenstein.com. Download my free ebook, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And if you're ready to be finally first, you can become a first lady. All you have to do is join my new midlife membership, Finally First. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women who want to stop feeling stuck and confused to finally making the changes they want in their next chapter. The clarity, courage, and connection you're looking for is really only one click away. Sign up for the VIP waitlist now because the doors will open again soon and you'll be ready to go. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.